Today is Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Former President Trump enters a plea in court. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and share it with a friend. You can email us as well, Quick Start Podcast at cbn.org. I'll wait till you write it down. Quick Start Podcast at cbn.org. You got it. Good job. All right. Joining me now, as always, to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons, Phillips. What's up, fellas? It is hump day. How's it going? And this week is just flying Zooming. by. Right? Zooming. It is flying by, but it's a good week so far. It's a busy week. Busy's, busy's a good thing, usually. Mm-hmm. Usually. 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 <laughs> I'm just, look, I'm looking forward to talking about this chat GPT bot sermon. I don't know. This is crazy. I don't know if this is a sign of the times or not. I mean, I'm checking the clouds, kind of like, yeah, that's exactly. I'm like looking up, going, all right, is the, uh, am I hearing trumpets? I mean, it seems like it should be any minute when you start reading stories like this, but we'll, we'll dive into that also. Uh, on the focus story, we've got a study on young people and their fate. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting one. Really, another one of those studies that proves the value of faith and how important it is to instill it in young people. So we'll we'll be getting into that. Yep. And on the main thing, our interview with Ru Powell, who's an advocate for victims and survivors of child sex abuse. They got a new series on Discovery Plus, Undercover, Underage, and they're trying to get these predators, and it's compelling stuff. So we'll have that on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in. 90 seconds. Former President Trump entered a not guilty plea in Miami federal court yesterday on classified records charges. Republicans are standing behind Trump amid the indictment. As we mentioned on a recent podcast episode, 47% of Americans think the charges against Trump are politically motivated. Trans activists film themselves showing, well, basically the top halves of their body naked in front of the White House during President Biden's Pride Month celebration over the weekend. There was a male influencer there on social media who goes by the name of Rose Montoya. He and other trans activists were bearing their breasts on the South Lawn. And then they were talking to President Biden himself saying, it's an honor, Mr. President. Trans rights are human rights. And then President Biden later referred to these activists as, quote, the bravest people he's ever met. A unique sermon delivered via artificial intelligence on Friday at a church in Germany, delivered by a chat GPT chatbot, which asked the people in um, this pretty packed church with more than 300 people there. It said, dear friends, it's an honor for me to stand here and preach to you as the first artificial intelligence at this year's convention of Protestants in Germany. And this was an avatar speaking with an expressionless face and a monotone voice. It was a 40-minute service, and it was, quote, led by four different avatars on the screen, two young women and two young men. And the great grift, how billions in COVID-19 relief aid was stolen or wasted. You could read about that and more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, we got to talk about this, as I mentioned at the time, this uh Chatbot sermon. I'm not sure what they're trying to prove here. I'm just not seeing the upside in listening to a sermon from a chatbot. It just something seems wrong about that. Maybe it's just me. 
are you seeing the upside in any of the things that we're doing in culture <laughs> no, right now? No. I mean, is there really, That's a good I point. Mean, this, That's a good point. This just, it's, if there was some sort of litmus test that told us that culture was on the right track, I guess I'd be less alarmed. But yeah, I mean, who wants to watch a robot? Especially, I mean, people complain about church sermons all the time. They're not engaging enough. They're not, they're not this, they're not that. And that's not the reason we're in church. We're in church to to learn, right? But like, how is putting a robot up there going to help that issue? I, I don't know. Well, and there are so many questions all the time, particularly it seems like in this day and age about theology and sound theology and making sure that you, you're breaking down scripture uh, in a way that's that's appropriate and is true to what the word actually says. Uh, and so the answer is to put a robot in charge of that. I, just, I, like, I, I think humans have enough trouble uh, getting it right. Uh, and then now we're going to have a robot doing it. And it just, it's, it's supposed to be an opportunity to edify one another, but also to glorify Christ. And we're taking that role away from a human, uh, which is what we're designed to do, which is worship and glorify the Lord. And we're giving that job to a robot. I, there are so many different criticisms you could go uh, with yeah. here. I, it, it, and on top of all of that, it's just weird. It is. And I'm not sure, okay, just to do it enough is weird. It's one thing to like, try it out. I, I mean, I've said, Hey, Discuss the differences between evidentiary apologetics and presuppositional apologetics, and it'll spit out something pretty good and pretty interesting and thorough. But I don't see why you'd want to say, let's have everyone sit in here and listen to a full sermon. And then I'm not sure how you get that many people to actually sit and in there and listen uh, when yeah, you well, when, when you yeah. know it's actually I mean, for, and then come on, these chatbots saying, dear friends, stop it. Stop it. You're an automated machine. You're not my friend. Now, what does the invitation look like in these situations? Like if you're going to have an altar call or you're going to open it up for people <laughs> who want to come and, and receive prayer or want to accept Christ, like what do, does the robot invite you then to come to the come to the front and speak to the robot? Right. We have, if we're being fair, if if we're being fair, there are some circles in which these robots might be more theologically sound. <laughs> That's true. Right That's true. But to Trey's point, I mean, are you going to have? We have um, four chatbot stations here for you to come up, and they'll <laughs> pray with you. I mean, come on, it's oh, all yeah. it's all a bit much for me. But I mean, this is I, I, I this is obviously extreme. But you do probably have to worry about pastors, and so, maybe they're kind of lifting and trying to make their job easier. And hey, give me a sermon on, you know, Romans 13 or something. And and, and then it just spits it out and you give the sermon, like maybe you maybe give it a once over. So I don't know. I mean, I hope, hope that's not the case. But I, I mean, this is a it's a brave new world we're navigating here. And this sudden emergence of all of this AI is bringing a whole lot more uh, questions than than we've had before. And it's, I mean, it's a new frontier, and we're just going to have to deal with it because it's here, like it or not. So, all right, we're going to move over to the focus story now. And there's a new study featuring thousands of teenagers across the globe uh, that found they had destructive thoughts and that it's more common among young people who reject spirituality. So what, what, is the, uh, what are the details here? You know, again and again and again, we see these studies that back faith, right? People will yep. say, what's the evidence for faith? Well, I don't know. Let's look at all of the data <laughs> that shows that people do better, especially young people, when they have faith in their lives. And so this study is really unique. It's from the Center for Bible Engagement. And Dr. Arnie Cole, he's the Director of Research and Development. We had a chance to talk with him about this research. And it was done in partnership with our Daily Bread Ministries to really look 
at some different elements in culture right now, spiritual formation, social media, and what they found was actually pretty ominous uh, for parents and faith leaders alike. We really need to look at this data and take action. But essentially, um, the findings were that a lot of young people are very unhappy and people uh, really do the best when they have a Christian worldview. And they were able to look at young people, and this is what was so interesting about this, this study, in Australia, Brazil, Canada, India, it was nine different countries, including the United States, where they were able to kind of discern how, you know, what, what is the state of young people and spirituality? And, you know, then linking together destructive behavior, suicidal inclinations with a variety of different variables, including, you know, social media exposure. So a lot of, a lot of unprecedented sort of elements of research in this. Yeah. And I don't know, at times, I mean, as you're going through that, Billy, it makes me think that you know, you're talking about good outcomes, positive outcomes. It feels like the evidence, as you mentioned, is so overwhelming in that when you look at Christians and committed Christians and how they fare in those generally positive outcomes. And the evidence is so overwhelming that it seems like now society is trying to define what a good outcome is with all the craziness that are going on. Well, if you have 17 different genders, well, that's a good outcome there. You've found your true self, right? So they're having to change the playing field there. But what was what was most shocking that you that you saw in this study? Yeah, you know, Dr. Cole said that they were absolutely shocked when they started to gather the data about struggles, spiritual struggles, mental health struggles. And as they were sort of looking at that, that was what um, stunned them because the more that you separated from faith, right, the worse you performed on, on these data measures, right? So they found all these destructive behaviors were unfolding. And, and here's the other thing, unfolding more in the U.S. and the U.K., they said that this destructive behavior was more common in our country and in the West. And, you know, I asked him why he thought that was the case. He talked about, you know, the transgender issue, the sexual confusion that's going on in the West, that that is one of the factors that might be driving this. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's this lack of spiritual development, right, tied to all these other things that are sparking these destructive thoughts. Um, he said in the US and the UK, the risk factor for suicidality impacts one out of five males and one out of four females. And that 31% of young people who identify as transgender or gender nonconforming. So this is actually higher if people are saying, well, what does he mean by the transgender and sexual confusion craze? They were actually seeing that the suicide inclination was higher in people who are gender nonconforming or who identify as transgender. So that was just an interesting element in light of what's happening right now. Yeah, and that's something they often go back to when they try to say like, well, you should just accept them. And then once you accept them, then is that, are they talking about bef beforehand? Because... They always well, say when you accept them, if you if you don't accept them and you give them a hard time, well, then they're more likely to harm themselves. Um, so that's always an interesting discussion. It's like a chicken and the egg thing. Well, it's like, are you wanting to harm yourself because you've been accepted now and and you realize that this ain't it and you're still struggling and you're still hurting and you haven't found your actual true identity in Christ as Christians know. And so you're still tr struggling or is it kind of one of those things, you know, where, where people are being, you know, um, harmed and, and yeah. not accepted, quote unquote. Well, so it's hard to tell because these people are identifying, right? So they're giving you their identity. It's hard to tell where they are in that process, but I do want to mention this because there are two lines here that I think are the most important. 
the further away they get from Jesus, the more lost they are. That's mm. what Dr. Cole was saying. There's no basis for anything. Nothing makes any sense. They yeah. become much more confused. And there were three factors that really put people at a greater risk for destructive thoughts. That would be the suicidal inclinations, a lack of spiritual beliefs, uncertainty about spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then this one's really interesting, believing in God, but without a relationship with Jesus, that those were three of the risk factors that put people, you know, more in a danger area. Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. Indeed. What, what do they point to or what do you see when you look at all this as the solution? Well, they talked about a protective factor, which I thought was really interesting, right? Like what is something that protects you from those destructive thoughts? And it was engaging with the Bible four or more days a week. That was one of the protections. Um, and, you know, basically what they're working on at the Center for Bible Engagement is an app to help build biblical worldview because he was he was basically saying, look, you know, it's essential to build that worldview because the majority of teenagers are using YouTube and TikTok and Snapchat and because a part of this was also social media and the dangers of that. They're not going to stop using those things. So we need to build worldview in young people so that they are able to have a spiritual fitness that can come up against this crazy influx of information and equip them and prepare them to deal with it. Yeah. And I think it's a sign of the times, as I mentioned uh, in the top of the news break there, that these shocking videos, I don't know if you guys saw them, of these trans activists being exposing themselves at the White House, just completely degrading and disrespectful um, and vile, really. And the president of the United States celebrating that and calling them brave, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, you have the statistics showing this about faith and faith is being pushed further and further from that sphere. So I think I think it's kind of indicative and maybe, you know, a little bit of a sign as to why we're having the trouble we're having. I mean, we're, we're pushing ourselves towards this debauchery and welcoming that and then shunning faith. Yeah, you know, I think the piece, Billy, about um, people believing in God or saying they have a belief in God, but not having a relationship with Jesus is fascinating because like I've talked to so many people over the years who say that they're a person of faith or that they believe in God. Uh, and then halfway through a conversation, you realize, Oh, like we don't believe in the right. same, we don't believe in the same Lord, even though we both claim to be believers, we believe in something completely different. And I think our world right now is dealing with, particularly with all this new age stuff coming in, we're dealing with this culture where people think that they know the Lord. They think that they know God. They've been duped into thinking they have a relationship with God, uh, but they don't actually have a relationship with the risen Savior. So I, I think like that is so fascinating to me and heartbreaking because people think they have something that they don't. So just as a good reminder to double down, we have to have these conversations with people. Do you actually know Jesus and has he transformed your life? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And are you going to stand up for the truth? Because I think that's actually the convicting part, right? Because if we're not standing up for truth and, and living for truth, then we're allowing people to be living a lie and thinking that they're believers when they're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because there there is that question, well, are you being we talked about it the other day, like being winsome, are you are you being kind, et cetera, et cetera. And I think to your point, Bill, you're you're right. We're we're not being kind. We're not being loving if we continue to allow people to basically walk towards the cliff and then just walk right off the cliff, right? We can't not say something. Now it's up to them to want to turn around and walk away from the cliff, but you have young people now mutilating their own bodies 
And it's disturbing stuff. A lot of the times, this is life-altering and life-changing stuff. You know, you lose the ability to have children, things of that nature, and you can't go back. You can't Mm -hmm. go back from this stuff. And so we have the answer as Christians as to where your true identity lies. And it is in Christ. And he made made us. And in, in the image of him, the Imago Dei, we are male and female. I mean, these are things that we can show people in Scripture now it's up to them. They can either accept or reject it, but yeah. it, I think it's our I think it's our duty to show it when we've got a lost world out there. It's our duty to bring that good news of the gospel and um, you know call call people back to God. And again, like it, it's up to them though. I mean, we can't make them do it. Well, I think that's yeah, that's such a good point because we wouldn't watch somebody literally walking toward physically harming themselves and not say something. If somebody's walking and they're about to get hit by a car or something, what are we going to do? We're going to scream. We're going to go grab them, like whatever we can do. Why do with something of even more the most uh, consequence, the most significant consequence, which is where are you going when you die? Yeah. Uh, Why do we stay quiet in the name of politeness? Like, I'm not going to tell you about Jesus because it's impolite. Uh, That's when, when you say it that way, it's like, wow, that's, that's such a silly thing to believe. Right. And it's fear. It's fear. It is. And, and even for like the gender stuff, when someone's going to mutilate their body, right? Like if someone said, I identify as a, as a bald Eagle and they go climb up on top of a massive building and then they're ready to jump off. Are you just going to go, well, that's how they identify. So I guess we'll see what happens. I, of course you wouldn't do that. You would go, no, don't do it. You can't fly. You're going to die. <laughs> That's right. what everyone would say. But but because it's for some reason, people are accepting this. Oh, yeah, let's let's let them be their true self and mutilate their body. It's ridiculous. And um, I think I think it's incumbent on us to, to speak out, as Billy said. So. All right, well, we got to move over here now to the main thing. And the internet has become a veritable wild west for children as predators crop up on nearly every app imaginable. RuPaul, as I mentioned at the top, is an advocate for victims and survivors of child sex abuse. And uh, we spoke with Trey about uh, their Discovery Plus series, Undercover Underage, which showcases her work to lure and ultimately arrest predators and what parents can do to protect their kids in this crazy internet age as we're seeing. That's today's main thing. I think when we talk about the world's most vulnerable, I can't think of a more vulnerable population than children. And um, I think about when I was younger and coming across certain things or getting put in certain, certain situations that were abusive in nature, but I couldn't quite pinpoint why I felt so awful and I really felt like I couldn't go to a trusted adult to talk to them about it because I was afraid of being ashamed or I was afraid of being blamed. In the internet age, everyone is online, including children and the predators who seek to prey on them. RuPaul, an advocate for victims and survivors of child sexual abuse, is at the center of a Discovery Plus series, Undercover Underage now in its second season. In the show, Powell and her team work alongside law enforcement agents in Canadian County, Oklahoma, where decoys pose as children, luring predators and turning the disturbing evidence over to police. In season two alone, viewers see a total of 16 arrests. We spoke with Powell about her harrowing work and how parents can protect their children from those who wish them harm. Here's a part of our conversation. 
With the internet, you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't raised with a smartphone. Snapchat has only been around for the past, you know, decade or so. So it was a diff really different landscape. My parents were only worried about the people that were in close proximity to me, right? The people that I might come across walking to school. But with the internet, it's not just about the people that live in your town. Now it's about the people that live in the state over or five states over and um, the entire side of the country over. Because with the internet, you can be abused without ever being in the same room as your perpetrator. And to me, that's just this, you know, relatively speaking, like a new way for a child to be harmed. And because it feels new, my concern is that adults and parents weren't equipped to deal with this. And so I felt like starting SOSA, which is my nonprofit that starts, uh, that stands for safe from online sex abuse, and then having the show undercover underage, it's doing a lot to raise awareness so adults can be equipped to support children. You know, as a mother yourself, I, I imagine there's there are layers to the feelings that you go through when you're filming the, these episodes. And obviously there's so much work that y'all do that's not in the show. Um, mm -hmm. But I just want to ask for, for, as a parent, what advice would you give to other parents who are struggling with, how do I navigate this? Like you said, Snapchat has only been around for 10, 15 years. These are relatively new technologies and new ones are coming out all the time. And it's it's kind of like a wild west. So what advice would you give parents? Yeah, I mean, I think that especially with the pandemic, it's really hard to say, well, my kid is never going to have internet access because even if you restrict it, you know, if your kid goes to a friend's house, if your kid's at school or, and they're submitting homework on their Google Chromebook, the internet is really has permeated our daily lives. And, you know, I allow my kids to have smartphones and very specific apps. I think what I would say to parents is that it's really important to have open lines of communication with your kids, just regular conversations about it. Um, not a one and done thing. We talk, I talk with my daughters regularly about online safety. And I think it's also really important for parents to build the kind of relationship where kids can come to them when they get in trouble, because what happens online is abuse. And I think it's really easy for parents to react in a way that feels punitive. Like, oh no, well, now I'm taking your phone away or, oh no, how could you be so dumb when realistically it's not about being a good kid or a smart kid. It's about being a kid online and they're faced with these people that are master manipulators. They are, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They're seasoned predators. So really we take this anti-victim blaming approach because kids are, doing, you know, innocuous things online. They're playing games, they're chatting with friends, they're posting fun photos. And these perpetrators are really actively targeting minors. So I always suggest, you know, don't, um, also maybe don't have a, a false sense of security when you say, well, I don't allow my kids to have like all the major social media apps because it can happen on any app or platform where there's communication. I was just speaking with someone this morning that I was talking with um, a company that was dealing with this influx of predators and their app is a coloring book app, you know, mm -hmm. or we'll have um, perpetrators say, hey, I don't want to text you because I'm worried that we'll get caught. Can you download a makeup app and we'll talk on the makeup app? It happens on, you know, words with friends or, you know, really innocuous apps. It's not just like the Snapchats and the Reddits of the world. 
Yeah. You know, I imagine partnering with law enforcement agencies when you do these sting operations come with their own you know, degree of complexity. I don't know if you can talk a little bit about what it's like as SOSA uh, partnering and coming alongside sheriff's offices and police forces to do the work that you do. Well, I think it's um, working with law enforcement is, I think, the best way to do it. There are a lot of these groups online and I don't um, I, I certainly understand their desire to help with this issue. But there are a lot of groups online that kind of do it vigilante style where they just kind of show up to a Walmart. They set up a meet and show up to a Walmart and they have a camera out and they're just trying to, you know, they're live streaming in order to shame this person. And I understand wanting to protect kids, certainly. Those cases are largely not prosecutable. And it also, in a way, it gives us another hurdle because we have to say, we only do this with law enforcement in order for law enforcement to work with us. But, you know, uh, this past for season two, we worked with the Canadian County Sheriff's Office and and they're great. You know, they have this ICAC team, ICAC Internet Crimes Against Children. And we really worked uh, well in tandem because we were able to do things. We're able to be a little bit more um, agile because we can quickly edit a photo and we can hop on a call and we can do these things that that team isn't yet, uh, they don't yet have the resources to be able to do that. So working with them um, was great. And, you know, as you can, you see in the show, we're also, I'm also riding along for the arrests because sometimes these perpetrators need to see a, a kid, a decoy, you know, in order for them to kind of approach. And obviously like I'm 40 and I'm not a teenager, but we do a lot of digital editing. And when it comes down to a, a takedown, they just need to be able to see me from a far enough distance to go, oh yeah, that's her. So that they can come in and get arrested. Talk a little bit about the emotional work that you do to prepare to protect yourselves when you're going in to do this kind of decoy work. Well, I think it's really interesting because sometimes the criticism we get is that someone does have an emotional reaction. Someone does cry. Someone does get upset. And I don't think the presence of that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing this work. I think it means that we're empathetic people and and we care. And also a lot of the stuff is upsetting to see. The stuff that we show on Undercover Underage has been edited for television. It's TV 14, whereas the stuff that we see day to day is really can be horrific and graphic and um we intentionally made the show TV 14 because we hope that some parents watch it with their teens in order to, you know, broach topics about online safety. So together, you know, I think it's really important for us to support each other. Whenever a decoy is on a call, I'm sitting right next to her. Um, we do a lot of checking in, a lot of you can bail, you can, you can, you know, you can bail at any point. Um, and that's really important. We also offer therapy. And um, I think a lot of people uh, find their own, a lot of people on the team find their own coping mechanisms as well, whether it's meditation or prayer or going for a walk. Ultimately, knowing that it's us receiving this and not actual children and knowing that we can move the needle, knowing that arrests can be made and these perpetrators are stopped in their tracks, knowing the score is kind of enough, right? That's, mm. that's really what keeps us going. What also keeps us going are these wonderful messages that we receive that say, I didn't realize until watching this show, I didn't realize that my abuse wasn't my fault. And so to know that the show also provides a healing in some way or allows people to know that they're not alone, I think is really, really valuable. And so anytime things get really tough, we kind of remember the good that comes from this. 
There was so much to our conversation with Rue, it was honestly difficult to figure out what to share here on this podcast. You can check out more from our conversation on faithwire.com and check out the show, which does come with a content warning, on Discovery+. Plus. New episodes drop Monday evenings. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. Appreciate it. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. We're going to take a look at Psalm 70. Four and five, it says, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I'm poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. And I, I mean, look, obviously that's one of the main themes in most of the Psalms is that you are our rock, our help, our deliverer, Lord. And um, I just think it's a great reminder to always rejoice and be glad in God, even when we're in need of something or um, you know having trouble. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. No matter the circumstance, leaning into him. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's important to remember because it's easy to be tossed, I think, to and fro by whatever circumstance we're in, whether it's good or bad, and to hinge our joy on getting what we want or you know, being upset when we don't get what we want. But our, our joy is tethered to something more significant than that, more lasting. It's tethered to the Lord. Amen. And that's where we're going to leave it for this episode of the podcast. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.